everybody. Glad you could be here. Welcome. So glad you could join us. I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. We do this every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those of you that are mountain challenged. Let me get my volume dialed in here. Okay, I think I was a little hot coming in. Okay, there. I think that that should do it. Okay. You can let me know if audio and video is okay, my main mods, I'd appreciate it. And let's get going. Uh, the first thing I have to do, we're gonna do a shipping report here. And I have to check a text here and make sure, okay, I believe that this is correct. I just had to confirm with Johnny, who's our new um, customer happiness officer, taking care of, um, customers and helping get the orders all straight and everything. Just double checked with Johnny to make sure I had the shipping report correct. So we'll be doing that in just a moment. We'll give you a little update on the warehouse. We have an awesome giveaway. And then I'm going to need your help today. I'm going to need questions to respond to, comments to respond to once that time comes after we finish the uh, giveaway information. Just because I'm really tired. We've been working super hard on the warehouse. We've been going hard for a long time. Um, for about a month now, we've been going real hard <laughs> building that plus running the business on top of it, um, trying to make sure we still take care of everyone and get back to you and, and all that stuff. And uh, I'm just tired, uh, happy. And, you know, nothing's wrong. Made a ton of progress, but I'm it'll be nice to have some questions and comments to respond to because <laughs> I'm going to need some prompts to get through the evening. Let's just put it that way. But with that, let's get to the shipment report. Since we talked last Wednesday with our, our great stream with Bob uh, Likens from um, the Vice President of Government Affairs of PJAC, we did a, a live stream that if you missed it, please go back and watch it. Um, it's information on the Lacey Act, the additions to the Lacey Act, the Lacey Act that are attached to the America Competes Act that, I mean, have broad ramifications and, and possibly really bad outcomes for the aquarium hobby. So um, please look at that. If you're looking for some real information about the Lacey Act and what's going on, or if you like keeping fish and you're unaware of what's going on, please check out last week's live stream. It's got a lot of information from a guy who knows. So hopefully that'll clear up any confusion and things. But anyway, since we last talked to Bob, we have had one issue as far as I know. It's a black Venezuelan corridor. We did lose one. Apart from that... Um, I don't think we've lost any, unless I'm totally forgetting, in which case, please call me out. Keep me honest, keep me accurate. But I think since last Wednesday, um, in the last seven days since last we talked, that's the only issue we've had. So apologize to that customer. Every now and then something happens. We have no idea what's happening um, or why. But, you know, most of the fish do well every now and then. There's one that just doesn't. It's just like people, right? You get a, you get a bunch of people in an arena there's going to be a few that aren't doing well. So it's, it's statistics at this point. Um, but that's the shipment report. Fairly good, although anytime we lose any fish, we hate to do it. But considering our volume, one fish is uh, statistically, um, we're being very successful getting fish to people alive. Let's put it that way. Um, okay, moving on, I want to update you guys about the warehouse. In the best place... To see that is on our Instagram um, channel, uh, which is Dan's Fish. I think there might be a period between Dan's and Fish. Yes. 
Um, but here is a picture that we took just the other day. Let's see if I can make that as big as possible. That doesn't really make it bigger, does it? Um, and we've done more work since this picture was posted, but the racks are up. All the racks are built now. So this pile of lumber right here that you can see kind of in the middle down at the end of this row, that's gone. That's all racks that have now been assembled and are now properly placed against this pipe. So you have a rack, you have a pipe, which is the, the middle of your sandwich, and then another rack right on the end of it. These racks were just thrown here for because we had to attach some light holding hardware and things like that to them. Um, so they were just temporarily placed here. You see some black drain hose put down in these uh, drain holes. Now all of that is done. All the drains are placed. All the bulkheads are tightened up. All the screens are in place. All the lighting hardware is in place. Um, every um, water hose and air hose that feeds fresh water or fresh air to the aquariums has been placed. Um, all that we're waiting on now is the second half of aquariums to arrive. We will paint them, we will drill them, and we will um, get the drains and stuff attached to them, pop them on the racks and, and we'll be done. So we're pretty darn close. We thought that we would be done with this um, the end of this week. However, we had a massive snowstorm on Monday. And because of that, the... Uh, the trucking company that was going to move um, the second half of our aquariums from our storage warehouse to our fish warehouse to the new fish store um, could not uh, safely get the aquariums moved. The lift gate was covered with ice. We're talking about pallets that are eight foot tall um, <laughs> with, with a bunch of aquariums stacked on them. And so uh, the idea of them trying to, and, and by the way, they don't cover any losses. If a tank breaks, that's on me. When they were first delivered, the uh, the company I bought them from would, would give me a store credit for any losses, but or a manufacturer's credit for any losses. But now that I've had these tanks in storage for almost a year, <laughs> because construction was delayed so much, that's all gone. So if the trucking company that's moving them breaks a tank, they're not insured for that or anything, and there isn't anyone in town that is, as far as I can find. So. So we eat that cost. So I decided to postpone that to be safe. Plus it was kind of a miserable day and it would have been hard for them to probably um, get up there to the storage warehouse and get where we needed them. So much snow. They closed the freeway. They closed the highway. Um, it, it, was, it was quite the storm. Um, but anyway, the hope is that things are warming up and that tomorrow we will be able to get back to it and um, that Friday they'll be able to move the tanks to us. If not, it'll be Monday of next week. So basically, we've been delayed a week just by the fact that um, the trucking company could not safely move the aquariums. Besides that, we're about ready to rock and roll. We've got um, our airline loops all done. We've got our water supply loops all done. I think we have to glue in like one more cap, and, and, and that's about it. And blow out the line in case there's any little shavings in there from drilling or cutting pipe thing you know little tiny things like that but by midday tomorrow we'll probably be done everything we can do and then we just need the second half of aquariums uh pop them in place and it's a week's worth of work we got to paint them all drill them all put them on the racks insert all the bulkheads and the screens and the elbows and connect them to the drain hoses 
but uh, that's it. We're getting real, real close. Um, the other thing that we're, for what we can do, for what we can do to set things up ourselves, the Dance Fish crew, right? Um, the one thing we are still waiting on is the, the finishing of the water supply and return to the local river. Um, we think that'll be done next week, and I really hope so, because if it takes longer than next week to get that done, then they'll be holding us up. We'll be, we'll be ready to rock and roll at the end of next week. And if they're not done, then it's just going to be frustrating. So I've been in contact with them, kind of pushing them, letting them know, hey, we're going to be done. <laughs> How are you guys doing? You know, that kind of thing. But hopefully I'll be able to, within a couple of weeks, report that, that we're pretty much done and that the systems are flowing. And um, it's going to take a week or two from that point to get everything balanced and make sure temperatures are good and pressures are good and flow flow rates are consistent and that the redundancies and the safeties of if the flow drops to this level everything shuts down or if the temperature gets out of whack everything shuts down and they send an alarm to us all that stuff all those systems need to be tested and um, calibrated and running for long enough that we know that they're in good shape so we're, we're pretty pretty quick though we're going to be pretty soon hopefully in there um with fish and and getting going so i can't wait everyone that's been waiting um and asking when are we going to get this back in stock or that back in stock thanks for being patient we are more or less we, we have more or less stocked bringing new fish in and we'll we'll get one shipment next week of two species from a hobbyist breeder um those are the iliad Fursidens and some miyuki white rice fish that We've been waiting on for a while, or they've been waiting on for a while for us to, <laughs> to uh, clear tanks enough to bring them in. Besides that, though, um, we're, we're pretty much not bringing anything new in because we're moving everything to the warehouse. So that's going to be a big project. So we're in this waiting for that. Um, thanks for being patient. As soon as we're up and running and secure that everything's good in there in the new facility, then we'll start bringing stuff in. We'll bring a lot of stuff in. It'll hopefully be quite impressive. Um, anyway, that's the update on the warehouse. Super excited about that. I guess we could show you a couple other things uh, that happened. Let's see here. So, let's see here. Um, no, that's, I mean, we drilled a ton of tanks, but that's to be, I guess, expected. Um, and this was the most fun. We had a whole bunch of bubble wrap it was wrapping all the big pallets of aquariums so they could move without breaking. And we had a bubble wrap party. So we put it in a big pile and the kids and Jonathan and I just jumped all over it and had a, had a big party. So that was kind of a, a little celebration for getting everything done um, for the first half of the racks. Okay, that's the update. Um, now we're going to do the giveaway, give you instructions of how to enter that. We'll draw that later in the live stream, and then we'll get to your questions and comments. So the giveaway for today is Melanotania affinis. Uh, these are location-specific rainbows. They were collected from the Dansari River. Um, Melanotania affinis comes from northern Papua New Guinea. They're not an Australian species. They're from Papua. And... Um, up around the Mambaramo River drainage and all, all through that northern area. They don't get super large. They top out at about four inches. So they're not a dwarf by any means, but they aren't like a parking sonai either that's going to get massive. So 
four inch fish, rapid swimmer. Um, I would recommend a tank with a four foot span uh, to give them enough room to, to swim because they are a pretty rapid swimmer. And so keep that in mind. Um, we, we encourage people to only enter the giveaway if they can give the fish a, a good forever home, right? So if you've got a 10 gallon tank, probably not the fish for you. If you have a 55 gallon or above or, or, or a 33 long even, or 30 long, whatever that is, um, anything with a four foot span or, or thereabouts or larger, um, then these would probably do great for you. Um, they're very hardy fish. They have a pretty wide temperature range. In the wild, the temperature has been recorded from 65 degrees up to 82 degrees. Now those are extremes. So it's probably a good idea to keep them, you know, in the mid seventies or so. That's probably where they'll be quite happy, but they are a very, very hardy fish. And I want to show you some um, pictures of them. This is a wonderful site for information on rainbow fish. So I'm going to put this in the chat so you all can get to what we're looking at here. And there's a new feature in chat, which I'm going to try right now, which is I can pin a comment. So I'm going to pin this comment to the top, hopefully there. So anyone joining the chat, yeah, there it is, can um, read about the fish that we are giving away. So you can get a little informed about it. So there's lots of different locations of this fish. This one's from Lay. The one we have is this one. This is a picture of one from Dan Sari. And then what I really thought was cool um, is they have a picture of the habitat. So pretty rapid flow, high oxygen. Because it's shallow and has a lot of flow, it's gonna be cooler. It's shaded, so there's not a lot of direct sun on here, so it's gonna be cooler. Um, and uh, the water is crystal clear. I can only imagine what it'd be like to snap on a, a snorkel and kind of hang out and lay down in that creek and watch them. It's probably absolutely stunning. There's other varieties as well. Um, there's some of the blues. And then Pag Y, which has these laser red stripes on it, which is really cool. The one we have is the Dansari. So if that tickles your fancy and you can give them a good forever home, then you can enter to win by, guess it, hashtag rainbow. <laughs> Super hard, I know. But hashtag rainbow will enter you to win a, a group of Moanatania affinis from Dansari River. Hashtag R-A-I-N-B-O-W. Doesn't have to be capitalized, but mine is, but yours doesn't have to be. I would like to remind people that you only need to enter once. Um, spamming the chat with more entries does not help you at all. You enter once, you enter 10 times, you still only get one entry. So don't spam the chat. And you only have to enter once during a stream unless we actively say, hey, we're gonna change that because we ran into some issues. So let's make the moderator's lives easy and not spam the chat with uh, thinking that if you enter more than once, you'll have a higher, <laughs> higher chance of winning the giveaway, not the case. With that, I wanna thank my moderators for doing everything that they do. Thanks for being here. Um, thanks for helping us make, thanks for managing the stream and making this, uh, making this doable without you guys it would be a big hot mess um looks like i have a couple super chats so we're going to start taking questions and comments if you have a question or a comment about um freshwater aquarium fish keeping breeding and raising fish um setting up a fish room building a fish store 
um, shipping fish, any of those things, I, I can probably help you. I'll try my best. And if you have questions about saltwater, uh, I don't know anything. If you have questions about plants, I'm like the newbiest noob ever. I can keep super hardy plants that, that no one can kill, but I'm, I don't know much about plants. But the fish themselves, freshwater aquarium fish themselves and their setups in, in fish room systems and things like that, and especially shipping fish, that I can talk to you about, usually. Um, so with that, let's get to these super chats that we missed. We missed one from Alexander Englehart. Alexander, thank you so much for the coffee fund. Greatly appreciate you. Hope you and yours are doing very well. Thanks so much for your continued generosity. It's really helping our fledgling, fledgling little company out. And um, Alexander does things behind the scenes too. He, he lends his expertise. He allows us to contact him and talk about operations plans and efficiencies and things like that. Um, and uh, so we really appreciate not just the super chats, although money helps for sure, but also the expertise and the willingness to, uh, to share it with us. We appreciate that. Patrick Hardy throwing down a super chat, more coffee, a pair with a mug of Joe. Well, cheers. <laughs> cheers to you. Thank you so much, Patrick. We appreciate it. And the, dro the mic drop. Is that, that what that is? <laughs> anyway, Patrick, thanks for the two super chats. Greatly appreciated. Always appreciated, never required. But as those who have been around a while know, it makes my wife super happy when money falls out of the computer screen and lands on our laps. So thank you. All right. With that, let's get to some questions and comments. Hey, there's Johnny. So if you see Johnny at Dan's Fish in the chat, um, Johnny has joined us. He's uh, our customer happiness officer. So He's the one doing most of the emailing back and forth with customers now. Um, and our email has changed. It is now hello at dancefish.com. H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. That's the best way to get through to us. Um, and it's been wonderful having Johnny uh, kind of really get up and running this last week because it's freed me up to get so much more done in the warehouse than I could have done otherwise. We've made a lot of progress and it's because, you know, I was freed up a bit. So, so thanks, Johnny. We appreciate you. Welcome to the team. Good to have you aboard. All right. Got to wet my whistle again. I'm going to scroll up and look for any questions or comments that I might have missed and uh, go from there. Ooh, not a whole lot <laughs> because chat moves so fast with the giveaway entries that anything that was done above that, I can't really get up very far to see those. So if you left a question or comment earlier before we started the hashtag rainbow giveaway, um, I can't see it. So please feel free to relist it. But I'll scroll down. I know there's a few more down here. Hey, Bentley. Good to see you. I figured we'd see Bentley Pasco here since we were doing a rainbow fish giveaway. <laughs> and I just want to reiterate, um, I think the uh, Melanotania finis is one of the hardier rainbow fish. Not that a lot of them are delicate, but... These guys are have wide water parameter tolerances. And so if you're new and you've been thinking, hey, maybe I'd try rainbow fish and you have a, a tank that's big enough and all that, um, these might be a good one to start with. They're pretty fish and they're pretty hardy. Rico Stan, hey Rico, good to see you. I told myself I wasn't going to get any news, new fish for a while. You are a bad influence. I do my best. I do my best, Rico, who I affectionately call evil Santa Claus. <laughs> just because during the Christmas giveaway, 
I had fun creating the uh, evil Santa Claus uh, thumbnail for that stream. Um, I want to thank you, though, Rico, you and everyone who's been involved uh, helping out Vinay Color Guppies, um, you and, and Skipper's Aquariums. Thanks. Thanks so much for doing what it takes to help help a member out of, of the community out that needs needs help. And by the way, um, Thomas or Rico, if anyone else has won anything since you last emailed me, please email me again. I know that there was another round of, of Dance Fish uh, gift certificate giveaways, I think this last weekend. Um, if you'd let me know who won what, uh, so I can get that confirmed and get those sent out, that would be great. Rose Aquatics. Rose, good to see you. It's been a while. Good to see you. Thank you. Was able to look up more info on the link you pinned for my Melanotania Bosmani. Oh yeah, if you go, that's that's a good point. So right now I'm just showing Melanotania Finis. But if you go here to contents, every described rainbow fish species known to science, as well as every pseudomugil and some other rarer genre of rainbow fish or honorary rainbow fish, blue eyes and such. Look at this. You click any of these links and it'll take you to find, like, let's try this one. Who's ever heard of this fish? Not me, but you go here, super rare blue eye type rainbow fish, right? Even the most obscure stuff you can usually find here. Now, if it has not been scientifically described, it might not be there, but the community there knows a whole lot about rainbow fish and, and can probably help you out. So yeah, it's, it's my go-to site for rainbow fish. Um, and it was kind of made into a book by, by Tippin. Is it Adrian Tippin or Alan Tippin? I think it's Adrian Tippin who, who took a lot of that information and wrote something called the rainbow fish book, which I, I should share this out. Let me see if I can find this. Um, Ampha. Rainbow fish book. It's really a good book. Here it is. Okay, here it is. <clears throat> Rainbow fish, they're caring, breeding, um, they're caring, keeping in captivity. A really amazing book. If you go here, go to that link, then you can go to this page. And if you click this link down here, then you can download this book for free, which is pretty awesome of the Rainbow Fish people to do. I mean, there was a lot of work put into that book, decades and decades of work and experience, great pictures, um, just pictures of the habitat, all kinds of information about the history of that fish in the hobby, when it was first collected, uh, its status in the hobby, um, who found it, you know, which year it was found, all that stuff. So pretty amazing resource and it's free. And if you use that website or get that book and it's useful to you, then please do consider kicking a donation back to that organization. Um, Angfa does a whole lot for us rainbow fish nerds. Maria Z letting folks know to please use the at Dan's fish to highlight. Yes. So when you do that, I get these bright orange boxes, right? That appear. And if you follow Maria Z's instructions there, 
that's what I look for when I'm going through the chat. I look for bright orange boxes. If it's not bright orange, I'll probably miss it because I'm assuming that you're just having a fun conversation in the chat with your friends and it's not directed at me. If it's directed at me, a nice bright orange box really helps. Vera Frank, just want to give a shout out to Alexander and all the others who've contributed to the giveaways. Thank you for sharing your love and passion for fish with people who love fish too. Yes, amen. Thanks, Vera Frank. And I, I agree. Um, so Vera Frank won the add-on giveaway last week that Alexander Engelhart uh, did, which was a gift certificate for the amount of a zebra pleco. So $226.50. And uh, it was a very generous thing, unexpected, and uh, tickled me pink. And Vera won that. So congratulations, Vera Frank. And thanks, Alexander, for making Vera Frank's day. Snoochie Booch. <laughs> hey, Johnny, are you... I appreciate your response time on the email. Yep. Johnny's a Johnny on the spot with the emails. <laughs> See what I did there? Sorry, Johnny. Is that too cheesy? <laughs> like I said, I'm tired. <laughs> Mr. Colopsia, how often do you carry gold denison barbs? Um, whenever I can get them. So um, I know the breeder that originated the strain. I like to get them directly from him because um, I think the quality is pretty good. And there's a lot more demand than there is supply. So they aren't always available, but I do order them pretty much every time I order from that breeder. And whenever there's any available, they send them. I was really lucky and I was able to obtain random arms. How many did we get? I think it was like 80 of them. Uh, a few months ago, but they sold out within a day and a half or something like that. So I do plan to get more in. I keep trying. And it's, uh, again, I'm not going to bring any more in until we're moved in the warehouse, which is probably going to take a month or two. But um, once we're in there, then I'll try again every time I order. So there are fish that I hope to be able to keep in stock one day, but they're so in demand. And again, the supply is low. And there's issues. There's a certain percentage of them that um, that have eye issues, like like they can't see, like the eye, the eye just doesn't work right. Now, they can still live a long, healthy life because they have barbels and they can sense the food. I've got seven of them that I held back um, over the last few batches. And they're big and fat and healthy and doing great. You just can't keep them with other fish that um, are real quick to the food because they'll outcompete them. They'll get to the food before the gold rose lines can. But that's that's one of the main issues. And the other one to be aware of is that gold rose lines come in a variety of colors. So real quick, for anyone interested in gold rose line barbs, which are just absolutely stunning, if you go to dancefish.com and go down here to view previous newsletters, and you can join our newsletter if you want while you're there, then you can click on this, the December 2021 issue of the newsletter, and there is, well, there's some construction. Look at where we were back in December. Like, we've made a lot of progress on this warehouse since then. <laughs> this was it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, here's a whole article on gold, gold rose line barbs, on the, the things to be aware of before you buy them, because there are some issues with the strain to be aware of. It's just like dogs, right? If you get a certain breed of dog, maybe it's more prone to hip dysplasia, or maybe it's more prone to what have you, skin issues or whatever, and you want to be aware of that. But if you look, they come in a wide variety of colors. So this is a gold rose line barb. 
where over time, a lot of the dark pigment came back. It was, when it was first obtained, it, it looked like this. It was gold and, and bright orange and red. But over time, it kind of went back. This one's kind of like a piebald pattern. You get some that are almost white. Here's a good shot. White, regular, piebald, pure white. Like, here's one that the dark came back. Kind of a mottled color. Here's one that has an eye issue. See that? See how the eye here is dark and centered? The ones with the eye issues, they're kind of clear. It looks like they almost don't have an eye. They do, but it's so transparent you can actually see into the eye socket. <laughs> I see into your soul, fish. Anyway, um, check that article out. It's got a lot of really good information on gold roseline barbs that I think people should be aware of before they purchase that particular strain of that fish. So I'll try again. Uh, Mr. Colopsia, I'll try, I'll keep trying. I really like that fish and I want to eventually be able to carry it all the time, but we're a ways out from that. The farms just don't breed them in the numbers necessary um, to, to be able to get them all the time yet, but they're building stock. Aaron Salgado, hello, I'm excited for my new fishes tomorrow, especially the blind cave tetras. Are they sensitive to light? Thank you, Dan. Hello, Aaron. And no, they, they don't care if you have the lights on or off there. They don't mind. Um, and they're, what I like about that fish is it's so darn active, like day and night, it's, it's around. It's swimming constantly, searching for food. And they're a really cool one. Um, so I supplied the local high school's biology department. They've got like, I don't know, 30 aquariums or something in the biology department. And they use the aquariums to teach the fish about, you know, biology. <laughs> and, they came and got a dozen of them the other day, which is awesome. If you're like in a high school biology class and they bring in this blind cave fish, that's got to pique your interest, right? So I think it'll be really cool for them to research that fish. Uh, the blind one and the seen one, same species, just one lives in a cave, one doesn't. And uh, I think it'll make a neat project for them. So, yeah, I, I like that fish a lot. Really cool. And not sensitive to light, no. Ooh, chat just jumped. Sorry, folks. Let me scroll up here. Kelly Foreman, thank you so much for the super, for the super chat. Um, and all the affinis are amazing. Yeah, every location is pretty cool. I think Kuhn Aquatics has the Pag... Is it Pagai or Pagwai? I can't remember right now. But the one with the red laser stripes? I think Hoon's working with that one. Um, but yeah, affinis are a cool little fish for sure. Stephen P. 2003, Aquatics, canceling out Kelly's bribe money. <laughs> Kelly's bribing me to get more rainbows. I can't wait to have the warehouse. Um, a lot more rainbows, a lot more plecos. Um, hope to keep some species of quarries. Although I have to say, one thing I found out with quarries is there is a price point at which people are just like not going to pay. So I've got some really rare ones that are super hard to find. I might be the only one in the United States, or at least like the only industry person in the United States that has some of them. And I thought there would probably be this community of like Corydoras, you know, nerds that really like Corys. They're like, oh man, I've been waiting for that forever and would be willing to buy them. But there is a price point at which Corys just don't move very well. And I found that out. So I don't know how many species I'll be able to keep because a lot of them are very expensive. 
And it seems like once we get up in the $30 range or so, people are like, oh, I could get that like CW62. It's pretty cool. But, you know, Corridor is trilineatus, what's commonly called the Julii Cori. You know, it looks similar enough. I'll just get that one for nine bucks or whatever, right? So there is some, I'm finding some, that the market isn't there like I thought it might be for some of the super rare quarries, at least not for the price that that I can get them at. Um, I get them from a, a quarry breeder. They're, they breed a lot of the rare ones, but it's been a little difficult to move them. So I have to keep that in mind when I bring in more, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring in as many as I can and still be able to sell them. Um, I can't, can't paint myself in a corner where I'm have really expensive inventory and I can't move it though. That's, that really hurts the business, but, and I hope to get some more, some more gobies. There's all kinds of stiffodons and stuff that I want to bring in. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Lots of rainbow fish and lots of other stuff too, but Oh man, I can't wait. Let's see here. <clears throat> Chat jumped, so I've got to. Hey, Killers Aquatics and Exotics, the Codfather himself, throwing down a Pippi Longstocking cheerleader. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for the super chat. It's going to make Brenda super happy. <laughs> um, hang on, chat jumped big time, so I've got to go up here. Okay, hang on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. For those listening on the, the podcast, um, when I'm doing this YouTube live stream, when I'm live on YouTube, which is where this originates, people are throwing up chats that I can read on the screen, but often it'll just suddenly shift and the whole section of chat will, will jump on me and, it, and then I can't see the people that were just asking a question that I hadn't answered yet. So I have to kind of scroll up back up the chat until I can find it. Um, and it doesn't give me a choice. It just, it just jumps. Richard! Reynolds, are you going to beat Aquashilla? I'm not, but I am going to beat the Quadruple Crown, formerly the Triple Crown, but it's actually four different fish clubs that'll be there in Louisville um, in, is it June or, June or July? I can't remember. Um, I'm not going to Aquashilla. The kind of event I like to go to is one where you have like fish nerds talking about I don't know, a collecting trip they went on where they can tell me details of, of habitats because that's useful. Or here's how I bred this species. Or a presentation on a group of fish, an expert on uh, someone who's a true nerd on like, I don't know, Corridors, for example. Ian Fuller coming and talking. Um, someone who can talk about tips and tricks they use in their fish room. You get an old timer in there that has been doing it forever and they, they tell you how they do things and invariably there's something new to learn. Um, but I'm not super interested in just the uh, let's go hang out and party thing. I'm not super interested in like the industry ones like like Super Zoo used to be and all that um, where where it's like vendors hawking their wares basically and telling you why their company's the best and why their new heater, their new light or whatever is the best. That doesn't, that doesn't turn me on. What turns me on is true fish nerds talking about in depth about a species or a collection trip or something like that. Um, and so Aquashella probably isn't something that I'd be super interested in. It would be fun to go and meet everybody, um, but that's pretty much the extent of what it would be. So the, the quadruple 
crown, triple crown um, event that I'm really excited for because I think I'll be able to meet a lot of you, but I'll also be able to go to a whole bunch of um, presentations on a whole bunch of different kinds of fish and, and learn from real nerds and real experts. So I, I plan on spending a lot of that, the triple crown, quadruple crown, just um, in the presentations, in the talks, like soaking it in, learning as much as I can. And then between them and after hours and stuff, kind of hanging with you guys and, and getting to getting to know people, getting to meet people in the flesh, right? So Aquashella is not the kind of event, nothing against it. And lots of people go and really enjoy it. And I, I really like John and Lisa from KD Tropicals who were keynote speakers and stuff like that. Like, so please, this is not shade on the event by any means. Lots of people like that kind of thing. But um, I don't know. My clubbing days are over. <laughs> I've, I've seen enough, uh, enough glow sticks and enough raves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Alexander Engelhart, what have been the best selling fish over the last year since you launched? Any shifts in what's popular from your site? Um, so I would say that the Plecos have really taken off. When we first kind of really launched, it was the rainbow fish because I was able to bring in a lot of stuff that was super hard to find. My market is fairly small. Like my customer base is growing and it's super loyal, but it's not massive yet. I'm not reaching like, you know, I don't reach everybody. Um, and so I think I saturated my, my customer base with rainbows. Now, I still carry some. And there are still a few strains that sell like hotcakes, like uh, Chilothrina alani wapoga. Just so pretty. That'll still sell. Um, some of the Bosmani locations, those will sell. But I've been sitting on like uh, Melanotania Cali Timbuni, which is an amazing and super hard to find rainbow fish. I've been sitting on Chilothrina Cali Awalum. Um, I've got uh, Melanotania Fredericki um, Claw Y, which is the prettiest of the Fredericki. I've got some, um, well, anyway, I've got some species that earlier were selling and I think I've got Cali Jamas. Um, yeah, I do. And so they just haven't been moving as quickly. So I think I saturated my, my mark, my market, my, my customer base, but recently we've been over the last several months, I suppose, been bringing in, um, some of the plecos and I was really shy to do it. So I started with only a few. <laughs> Because the price point on Plecos, man, they scared me to death. Um, I was like, man, if I order these in and they don't do well or they don't sell through, like just the cost, just the outlay of cash, the cash I've tied up in it is significant. Um, I think the last order I did, it was somewhere around $100,000. Um, the last big order I did, uh, the one before this last one. This last one was kind of, we knew we were moving to the warehouse so we didn't do a massive thing. We just did some cool stuff. But the one before that, um, $100,000, and I think most of it was in Plecos. So those are doing well because we're still able to bring stuff in that people almost can't get anywhere else. They're hard to find, and, and people have been wanting them. But eventually, we'll saturate our customer base, and then we'll, we'll need to pivot into a new thing. So that's kind of what I'm finding with our current customer base is, find a group of fish that people really like and have been wanting, bring in a bunch of them, uh, especially stuff that you just can't find anywhere else. 
And as the customer base is like, okay, now I've got those, then find the, the next uh, niche, I guess, if you will, the next area to bring in. Um, and as Plecos wane, or I can't, or as I start not being able to find new species to bring in, um, then, then I'll need to move to something else. Now, I think that's part of being so small. So folks that don't know, we just run this out of my basement and the annex upstairs, which was formerly my garage. Our entire operation here is an 850 square foot basement and like a 400 foot garage. That's the entire operation. And so when you're small like that, um, you got to find something unique. Like, um, I like how Seth Godin describes it. He wrote a book called Purple Cow, which is about if you're driving through the countryside um, and you're seeing a bunch of cows, it's cool. Like for a few minutes, it's like, hey, look at the cows. But after half an hour of looking at cows, you've seen them. You're done, right? Why, why would like that cow looks like that? They're all these brown cows, right? But if half an hour after that, there was a purple cow, that would draw your attention. Um, so when you're small, you got to be a purple cow for sure. When you're big, I think too. But when you're small, you got to find a, a something to differentiate you and, and make people excited about your stuff because you can't compete any other way. So that's kind of what we're doing. When we get in the warehouse, we might be able to broaden things out and and uh, we'll still look for cool stuff to bring in and stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I think that'll change the, the, the dynamic that we found that to be successful now about find something cool once the customer base uh, gets more or less saturated, find something else cool. You know, that's what we've been experiencing. And I still want to crack the guppy code. I don't feel like I've done it. Um, I've tried several things. I don't feel like they've been as successful as we want. Man, that's a tough one. We do want to find a way to bring in guppies that are super healthy and, and won't die within two months of our customers getting them. A lot of times guppies look good, but they're harboring some stuff. And after a couple months, they kind of start to get skinny and go downhill, um, which is the curse of guppies in the hobby right now. So we're, uh, we're trying to find a way around that. There are some biosecure suppliers that we're going to explore. There's the folks from Israel that we might explore. The, the price point's super high, but if they're healthy and the quality's good, then maybe it's worth it. Because I think everyone's kind of sick of getting guppies and endlers that don't do well for them long-term. Um, and then I, I'd like to find some hobbyist breeders as well that could supply some, some good kinds of guppies and endlers um, just so we can crack that and get a critical mass of those fish. Um, I still have to test the market a bit, though. Uh, my first order of business was to try to find a procedure um, where I could get a whole bunch of different kinds of guppies and endlers in. I work with an aquatic veterinarian to uh, to develop a protocol that would result in guppies that would be healthy for my customers. And we brought in lots of kinds of guppies, and um, we haven't listed all of them because a lot of times... The variety, we just haven't found the protocol that's successful at doing that. Some of them we're successful with, and we've listed those for sale, um, but, but often we're not. 
So the best luck we've had so far is from hobbyist breeders. It's been hard to find like a commercial supplier or something on the farm level that is, is doing guppies well. But that is one area that we still want to figure out if we can, A, develop a protocol, find a supplier that has fish that we can develop a protocol for so that our customers are successful long-term. If we can, then we need to test the market and make sure that the customers will pay the price because they're going to be expensive. They're going to need to come from like biosecure centers. Um, there'll be special protocols that they go through that take time and money and medicines and, and things like that uh, to get them ready for our customers. So we'll have to see if, if folks are willing to do that. I'm not sure if they will. Because it's hard, like when, when you, especially if you don't know us, if you come to dancefish.com and you see a pair of guppies and it's like, those are 40 bucks, that's insane. Because I can go to this other website or a local fish store or whatever. By the way, local fish stores are great. I'm not slamming them by any means. But I can go to this other place and I can get that pair for, I don't know, 12 bucks. Why would I pay 40? Right? So that that's the thing. Um, but if you've got the $12 pair and they didn't do well and you tried again, they didn't do well. And you tried a third time, they didn't do well. Then paying 40 bucks for a pair that will do well suddenly sounds kind of cheap, right? <laughs> so we, we're, we're not sure exactly how that's going to work, but that's, that's one thing in the future, Alexander, that we'd like to do. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper got two more batches of Pau Palustris Puffer Fry this month. Looking forward to adding them to my Get Gill store and offering some to the fish fam. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, that is awesome. Congratulations, goal, and all that. Um, and uh, yeah, keep the updates coming, man. It's awesome to hear about your success with breeding puffers and raising them. <laughs> the hard part is raising them. <laughs> Greg Gall, have you filled the tanks with water that have been set up? And if so, how many leaks have you had to fix? We have not filled the tanks up yet. We need to get the uh, second. So half the tanks are in and on the racks. We need to get the second half of the tanks in before we can turn on the pump and things because the flow is going to be so high from that pump that we need to, we can't just do like the first half. We need to get the whole thing up and running. So the good news is so far, no leaks. <laughs> the only problem we've had is I did crack one tank while I was drilling it. Um, the good news is the crack is in a position that I can patch it without any problem. But what happened was the, um, so I use a, well, let me show you guys. I use a pretty cool doodad. It's a, a drill press specifically for drilling glass. Got this thing from Gemco, not cheap. I think it was 600, 700 bucks, something like that. Um, but it's already paid for itself. I drilled all the tanks up in the annex with it. And I've drilled all the tanks down here with it. And in all that time, the tanks in the annex plus the tanks in the warehouse, I've only cracked one tank. And it happened because I did not have this uh, hole saw, it's a diamond hole saw, like you would use for cutting tile, masonry, or, or glass. Um, I did not have it in the chuck tight enough. And so while it was going through the glass, it bound. And when it bound, it cracked. So I, I just didn't, I think, tighten that enough in the chuck. So that's my bad. Um, by the way, we had to go to the auto parts store and get this uh, stick shift handle to put on it because it, it came, it was missing the handle. So I finally did that. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, that doodad makes it awesome. So we, I have cracked one tank, but I'll be able to patch it. Um, one of the tanks have faulty silicone, so we'll need to patch that as well. Just during manufacture, it wasn't done right. Um, but besides that, no leaks. But no, we haven't turned it on yet. Um, with all those hundreds of valves, um, hundreds of PVC joints and fittings and um, bulkheads and all that, you know, fingers crossed there's no leaks. I have no idea. No idea. We will see. I'll be surprised if we don't have to fix something. Let's put it that way. Can 5015. The rainbows ordered last week that were delayed and then undelayed are doing amazing. They seem to not ever get enough to eat. Haven't seen the Sultan Pleco since adding it. Yep, that's that's Sultan Pleco's for you. Once the Pleco gets, um, so my group of Sultans will come out in the daytime when I feed. They're little pigs, but they have to feel really comfortable first. So it's going to take a little time. Something's pulling my camera. Uh, trying to, but once they, after a few weeks or a month or so, they'll start coming out more. But I'm glad to hear they're doing okay. So every now and then UPS gets confused. And I don't know why, but the tracking will say this is delayed. But then they'll show up on time anyway. So, <laughs> so we had a little scare where it looked like they were going to be delayed. And CAN 5015, you know, had to work or whatever. Wouldn't be there the next day to get them. So we we're trying to figure out how to solve that. And then lo and behold... They're like, oh, never mind, not delayed. Here you go. <laughs> UPS is usually really darn good, though. Um, I don't want to complain about them, but, you know, every now and then stuff happens. But it's rare. I, I think they've been a very good carrier for me to work with. And my local office is amazing. Hopefully yours is, too. I know they're not all equal, but my local office is great. Rita R., will you be at Aquashella this weekend? And if so, what fish will you be bringing with you? So I already talked about that. Thanks for the question, though, Rita. I realize I'm way behind in the stream, so I probably had not answered it before you asked. But uh, if you re-watch re a few minutes ago or whatever, you'll, you'll see my answer to that. Um, Rose Aquatics. <laughs> it's been a good minute. I'm glad. I'm glad life's been treating you well, Ro. Swamp Thing. How is the climate in March for shipping fish from warm climate to a cold one too risky? That's, oh, it's so rough. It could be or it could not be. So the people are always surprised, especially locally, when they're like, wait, you're, you have a tropical fish, an aquarium, a tropical aquarium fish business that ships fish in Wyoming? Like today it was literally 20 below. It's cold. Um, why? It doesn't seem right. But the, the truth is that there's an advantage to that. And I, I know Swamp Thing, you've heard me talk about this, but for folks that don't haven't heard this spiel already, um, it's actually really nice to ship from a cold place because what it means is I can use heat packs without cooking the fish. So let's say I'm shipping to Swamp Thing, uh, a warm climate, and, and Swamp Thing's in a warm climate. Let's say Swamp Thing is down there in Florida. I'm in Wyoming, so if it's, I don't know, 75 degrees this time of year in Florida, 80 degrees, something like that, and it's negative 20 here, then that works. I can put a, a heat pack in the box, uh, a small heat pack that doesn't burn too long or too hot, and I can ship it, and I'll get them through the cold night here, and by the time they get to Florida or whatever warm climate someone's ordering from the next day, 
that heat pack will hopefully have burned out enough that they don't overheat in the box, right? So shipping from cold to warm is doable. Shipping from cold to cold is doable. You just use bigger heat packs or more heat packs. But the tricky part that Swamp Thing is asking about is how do I ship from hot to cold? That gets tricky because if it's 80, 85 degrees where let's say Swamp Thing's at and they're trying to ship to me and it's negative 20 degrees, they're going to need heat packs. But if they put heat packs in the box, then while they're on the Florida side or Texas side or Louisiana side or San Diego side of things, you know, where it's southern and warm, they're, they could get too hot. But if they don't put a heat pack in, then they'll get too cold by the time they get to me. So that's a tricky one. So Swamp Thing, what I would say is um, it depends on the differential in temperature. If if it's if they're going to overheat on your end before they get out of the before they get to Louisville or Memphis, which is where UPS and FedEx send their stuff, I, I'm assuming they're going next day via those carriers. Um, if it's not so hot where you're at that you can still add a heat pack, then it might work. But it might be better to wait until the differentials more equal uh or or tell you don't need heat packs that's a tough one though shipping from a hot climate to a cold one's really tough there's no way to delay the start of the heat packs you can do some things sometimes what we'll do is we'll like wrap them in a couple layers of newspaper so less oxygen gets to the heat pack or it gets to the heat pack but the the transfer of oxygen into the heat pack is slowed down by a couple layers of newspaper but if they're going to me where it's negative 20 then then there won't be enough oxygen transfer for the heat pack to burn hot enough to keep them warm on my end of things. So that works when um, temperatures are kind of just high enough to maybe need a heat pack, but you don't want the heat pack to burn real hot. That's when that little trick works. So anyway, that's the spiel swamp thing. Um, the differential's high and it's going to get too hot on your end. Um, or and you're shipping to, to Wyoming where it's super cold, then then that's, yeah, that's tough. All right, Rose Aquatics, did you make that rainbow site? No, no, um, I did not. Uh, a, a, gro a group of enthusiastic Australians, I believe, made that site, including Adrian Tippin and, and several others. I, I could be wrong. I don't know everyone that's involved, but nope, they made that site, and um, I just benefit from it. We're talking about the uh, the rainbow fish site that is listed in the chat, um, pinned to the top there. Skipper's Aquariums, the other four black Venezuelan quarries are doing great. I'm glad to hear that, Skipper. I'm sorry that you lost one. Still no clue what happened. They were doing great here, but every now and then something unexplainable happens for sure. Rose Aquatics, okay, thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Let's see, where are we at? 7.55. It's flying by, folks. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. Glad you're here. We have 246 folks here. That's not too bad. Thanks for being here. Thanks for spending your Wednesday with us. We appreciate you. Bob Purcell. Um, the knowledge base of the group. Let's see. I think I caught you mid-comment, Bob. Over the knowledge base of the group, how long does it take for rainbows to get color? Oh, 
at Dance Fish or the knowledge base of the group. Got it. So Bob's saying at Dance Fish or Hive Mind. How long does it take for rainbows to get color? We've got a healthy group of Kalitawa from Dan. Looking forward to growing them out. Um, it's it's less an age thing and more a size thing, I would say. Um, but please, Hive Mind, any rainbow fish nerds here, if you have you know more to add, please, please, please feel free to answer Bob. Um, I would say once a rainbow fish is about half grown, it should have pretty decent color. So if it gets four inches, by the time it's about two inches, it's looking pretty darn good. Um, some of the larger ones might need to get a little bigger before they start looking really good. And since it's a size thing and not an age thing, it depends on growth rate. And growth rate is, is determined by temperature, food, and water quality. Um, there might be other things, but those are the big ones. Now, I would caution against trying to power feed rainbows and grow them quickly. If you do that, they'll often blow it out. You'll often get some problems. Um, so with rainbows, I just say be patient. But if the water's clean and they're getting a lot of food and the temperatures, I wouldn't keep them hot by any means, but on their comfortable range, you know, little, you keep them in the cool side of their comfortable range or the warm side. If you're trying to grow them quicker, keep them on the warm side, then they'll grow quicker. Um, so it's, it's kind of about... Uh, size more than time. Jack Johnson. Hey, Dan, local here. Hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Started in the hobby a couple of years ago. I'm so super stoked about your new building. Can't wait to come check it out. Yeah. Hey, Jack, would you send me an email? Um, and would you send it to, um, let's see here. What are we doing now? We've changed the emails out. Would you send it to hello at dancefish.com or to my personal email, which I think you have? I'd like to talk to you, actually, since you're a local Sheridan guy. Um, yeah, give me a, give me your contact info. I want to get a hold of you. I kind of want to give you a tour of, of what we got here in the new warehouse stuff. And also, we're hiring, so I'd like to talk to you about that. Orange, in fact, I'm gonna, just going to say this now. We're hiring, folks. Um, we're going to need some help. So uh, if you want to come help us fulfill our mission of getting fish to customers that will thrive for the customer long-term and not die within a couple weeks or a month or whatever, but really get in the details of how to make fish healthy and how to acclimate them and how to ship them in a way that they'll do well for our customers. If that's important to you, um, and if you love fish, then I want to hear from you. Uh, send us an, a cover letter and resume, if you would, uh, to our email. Uh, hello at dancefish.com I think would be just fine and um, you will have to move to Wyoming it's hard to catch fish and package fish and ship fish and feed fish and answer questions about fish if you aren't actually here to physically do that <laughs> so um, but we need help taking care of our fish making sure they're healthy we need help uh, shipping them making sure they're they're flying first class instead of you know crammed on an unheated unair conditioned cargo train somewhere that's that's kind of like how we like to describe it. We, we want the fish to feel like they're flying first class. Um, yeah, we're hiring. We're looking for folks. So send us a, a cover letter and resume, por favore. But you'll have to move to Wyoming, just to be clear. Orange cones. I can't wait to get a bright orange box full of head standards from you when they are next available. And I'm going to work hard to get those for you, orange cones, because you've helped so much with the whole temper tie situation. Thanks again for that. 
Alex from The Secret History. <laughs> Apparently, I can't say your channel name, Alex. Alex from The Secret <laughs> The Secret History Living in Your Aquarium. Good to hear from you. I was curious if you have seen any of the care species of Madagascar rainbow fish. I just looked today, and I had no idea so many species existed. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know anywhere, like the infrastructure in Madagascar, just as far as I know, is not in place to get those species. Same with a lot of the Madagascan killifish, same with a lot of the Madagascan cichlids. So I don't know where you can find a lot of those different uh, Madagascan rainbow fish species. There's a whole variety of them and they're, they're pretty cool. The only way I think we'd have them is if there's some uh, hobbyist out there who totally nerds out on them and has gone and collected them or has somehow sourced them from some roundabout way. But as far as them ever being on a list or me knowing how to get a hold of them myself, I don't. So um, I wish I did, especially since their habitats are being crushed. So if we don't get them in the hobby and breed them and preserve them, they're probably going to be bye-bye, unfortunately. It's just a reality of a lot of Madagascar's fish um, and other species, uh, chameleons, lots, lots of stuff. So, yeah, I wish I could say yes, but I don't know. Ethan Foster, what are some differences between a gravid female pleco and one that is just bloated or fat? Well, that's a good question. Because those females can get mighty big sometimes. I'm going to go with behavior. Um, if someone, okay, I know there's some, some real pleco nerds here that know their stuff. So if you guys can say, like the bulge is, I don't know, more laterally compressed if it's eggs or something like that, um, please chime in. I have a feeling bloat might like go up the back further or something like that climb up the ribs towards the spine a little differently. Um, but but I'm going to rely on you guys to kind of give that information. For me, the difference is behavioral. Um, are they feeding well? Are they acting normal? And is their color changed? There's, there's some plecos, like with my albino bristlenose plecos, I know there's a real problem when they start to, to fade out, when the yellow fades and they start becoming more white or a whiter yellow. Um, so Ethan, I'd go with behavior. Are they eating well? Or are they acting totally normal? Are you seeing them poop? Are they able to defecate? Like, are they passing food through and digesting it successfully? Things like that. Um, just looking at the shape, I don't know if I could for sure tell. And if I could, I don't know if I could describe it. Um, that's the best I got for you. And good to hear from you. I hope you and, uh, and yours are doing well. Bunny Viper, could my Epiplati sex fasciatus live with my Empire Gudgeons? 20 longer, different tank. Thank you, Dan. I think they could. They're pretty big, the sex fasciatus. Um, especially if it's well planted at the top. Like if you have a bunch of floating water sprite or something with a long enough root system that the fish can actually get in there and, and hide if they need to get away from it all then I think you could. Um, I definitely have a plan B available, which I know you do. Um, but yeah, I, I would try that. I would be surprised if that wasn't successful. But on that note, fish surprise me all the time. So, <laughs> Night Rider, 
I will be receiving a school of purple tetras. Uh, I can never say that genus. Is it Hyphesa brycon? Mete tomorrow. How much will my whole life change? Oh, yeah. You're going to be a new person, my friend. Exactly. Birds will be singing. The sun will be out. And your dopamine levels will be off the charts. <laughs> Stephen P. 2003 Aquatics. Guaranteed that the Rainbow Fish book ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> Bald tax guy. I bet you're getting busy. April's coming. Are the heroes liver for captive bred? Yes, they're aquarium uh, bred and raised uh, by a breeder that, that I, I know pretty well, know their fish pretty well, and, and trust. Now, they're human, but... In general, they do really well by me. Bunny Viper, any chance you'll carry emerald tiger barbs? I don't know, Bunny Viper. I don't know if... I think probably at some point. I'm not sure exactly how well the bread and butter fish will do for me, though. Uh, when you can buy them at Petco or PetSmart or whatever for, I don't know, uh, less than I can sell them for... I don't know. I'm going to have to play with that. When we get in the warehouse, I'm going to have to play with some some different bread and butter type-ish species and see. Um, I have been encouraged by the response. I've I've had some of the more common tetra species, cardinals and uh, standard carry tetras and um, ember tetras and things like that. And the I can't sell them for less than six bucks or I'll, I'll lose money. Um, just because of the way we operate here, it's, it takes a lot of extra time and effort and stuff. And so there's a threshold at where we can actually make money on a fish, but, um, I've been encouraged by the fish I have listed at $6 that you could probably find cheaper elsewhere. Um, they are selling. So maybe people are, are willing to pay more for fish that are treated better. I guess I would just say, um, so we'll have to play with it. We'll have to test that market a little bit. Now, tiger barbs, I don't know. Um, I feel like anytime you sell a tiger barb, you create a possible problem. Now, I want to clarify, I like tiger barbs. I think they're amazing. But most people don't keep them in big enough groups. And so you end up with some aggression. If you keep them in nice big groups and decent sized tanks, you generally have success with them. But if you don't, they can be aggressive to each other and they can be really aggressive to other species as well. And so I kind of uh, shy away from selling a fish where someone might not know all that and, and throw three or six in a tank and, and have all those problems. So it's like, how much, how many possible problems do I want to create for, for myself? Because every time that happens, there's a lot of time in, in talking the customer through the issue. There's time in replacements if something went really wrong. There's yeah, it's, it's just a, a whole thing where I could carry another species that, that wouldn't be a problem. Um, so why wouldn't I take the tank space to do that, right? That's, that's kind of the equation. So I'm not saying no. I like tiger barbs a ton. Um, the tiger barbs I will keep for sure are I have some access to some pure wild uh, tiger barbs. Uh, they haven't been hybridized. They haven't been inbred or any of that. They're actually wild collected. Um, and so I'll bring some of those in. I think that 
getting some fresh blood in a lot of the tiger barb strains would be useful. And with all the hybridization and everything else that's happened with the, you know, commercially raised tiger barbs, um, it'd just be nice to have an option for something different. Crown Tail Half Moon, could you use Prozzi Pro simultaneously with metronidazole for guppies and bettas? Absolutely. If yes, how long treatment and redosing? So I've never used Prozzi Pro, the product itself, but I use Prozzi Quantal, the active ingredient, and metronidazole quite a bit. Um, so I know that Prozzi and Metro can go together without any problems. Um, I, what I don't know about Prozzi Pro, I guess I should say, is what the other ingredients might be. But I'd be really surprised if it, it could not be treated in concert with metronidazole. Um, and how long is the treatment? Um, I just follow the instructions uh, on the on the bottle. That's that's what I'm going to go with. I I want to get away a little bit from giving too much specific medical advice because then I feel like you know I can't I don't want to practice medicine without a license. <laughs> I'm not a veterinarian, but at the same time. You know, there's probably not an aquatic veterinarian in your city. They, they're few and far between. They're hard to get a hold of. So I understand the need as well. So it's kind of like a fine line. Like, how detailed do I get? Let me put it this way. When I treat um, with Prozipro and metronidazole, it's for internal parasites. And I usually do it for 10 days to two weeks. So 10 to 14 days. Um, if there's an active thing that I'm trying to get rid of. That's how I usually do it. Um, water changes between and all that stuff. But I, I feel like uh, to be successful with a lot of parasites with their complicated life cycles, you often have to do it for a length of time. So that's how I do it. But I'm, I can't recommend you do it that way because I can't practice medicine without a license. Chris Robertson. Do the Gold Denison Barbs have an eye problem bred? that have the eye problems breed or breed without eye problems, is it genetic? So it's genetic. It's part of the gold rose line barb line. It's it's in that, uh, yes, it's, it's definitely genetic. Um, and I'm just saying that based on the number, the ratio, let's see, how, how do I describe this? The number of, if you buy any group of gold denison barbs, there's a certain percentage you know are probably going to have eye problems. So that that's probably attached to genetic prob probabilities, and so therefore I, I think for sure it's genetic. They don't all have it. Um, and will they breed? I don't know. Um, I wouldn't purposely breed them um, myself, just because I don't think you want to necessarily breed fish that are, you know, that are adapted and evolved to be seen but somehow because of our inbreeding and our developing a new strain now can't see because naturally they want to see that's what they're made to do right and, and all their instincts and how that fish operates um seeing was part of that equation if you remove that uh i feel like you don't want to purposely do that so yeah that's my take on it if anyone did, I'm not going to be like, you're horrible. But personally, I think of the fish um, e evolved to be a seen fish, then that sense is gone. It's going to 
don't know. That's that might be a, a little odd for that fish, even if it can survive and do well, right? I would I try to give it everything it was evolved to have. Let's put it that way. Chris Robertson, if you vacuum seal a heat pack and cut a small air hole, would it delay the start of the heat pack? Or make a bag with a small hole and a wax seal so it has a delay start then full power? I don't know, Chris. I'd have there'd have to be a whole bunch of like trials done with that and and data taken and bell curves made for me to know that. Um, what I do know is if you cover that pink stripe that goes down the heat pack with something that prevents air from exchanging at that point, the heat pack will die. It'll go cold and it won't fire. So that's what I know. So if you made a small hole right on that pink line, would it still go? Maybe, but I don't know like how many holes you would need. I don't know how much of the pink line would have to be exposed. And I don't know how you would make it so that it would start slow, but then suddenly the hole would grow. So more of the pink line would be exposed later so that then it would fire completely. I'm not quite sure how that would work. Um, I, I think for the sake of like a hobbyist shipping fish, that that would probably be really hard to dial in and calibrate to be successful with. Bunny Viper, at what age are Geophagus, Wine Milleri, and the uh, Hecali, that's the uh, oh, Threadfinicara, um, they're full size. So that that depends on water quality, it depends on food, it uh, depends on environment, depends on stress levels, all kinds of things. But, I mean, in a fish, if, the literal answer is fish grow their entire lives so they don't reach their full size till they die like once they get adult size their their growth rate slows down but fish grow their entire lives but i would say if it's got really good parameters and and the the water is fresh and they're getting good food i would say they'd be pretty darn big within I don't know six to eight months something like that would be my guess um, although some of the some of the geophagus and stuff grow a little slower but I would say you should have a pretty good size you know colored in fish within eight months or so probably have some streamers on the fins and all that um, that's what I'm going with. But again, there's so many variables because it's about growth rate, which is affected by diet, availability of food, quality of food, quality of environment, um, and temperature a little bit. Mike Stambaugh, do you think you will ever get a pistogramma? Ooh, what's this one? Colandiri species gigas. I want to. Sounds big. Let's see. I don't know this fish. Let's look at it. Let's take a field trip, shall we? What is this? Oh, these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with these. Um, big guys get, what? what is it? About four inches or so? Let's learn together here. Um, Amazonas Magazine, what say you? Let's see if I can get Amazonas Magazine to download here. These are big guys. Are they four inches or are they like six? Okay, I'm looking here. 3.1 inches. 
Standard length of approximately 3.1 inches for males. Oh, that's not, that's not as big as I thought. Still a cool fish though. Look at this. It looks like, I mean, like a bumblebee. That female there. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Um, I haven't looked into that particular fish yet, um, Mike. And I'd have to see, I'd have to dig into that one. I haven't got deep into pistols yet. Here's the problem with the pistols. I really like them, but it's super hard to get an even sex ratio and everyone wants pairs. So often when I order, I'll get like a heavily skewed sex ratio or I won't be able to sex them with confidence because they just aren't big enough yet. And I'm not an pistol expert. And um, anytime I have a pistols for sale and anything other than pairs, I get email after email after email after email saying, do you have pairs? Can I get pairs? I want pairs, right? And so I don't mind that. I get that people want pairs because if you're specializing in pistols, you probably want to breed them. Like that's, that's the joy of a pistol keeping in my book, especially if you're going to get way into it and get lots of varieties and things. Um, pistol Dave, that guy, man, that guy had so many kinds. Envious, but, um, it's unless I can find reliable suppliers that can supply pairs, it gets really tricky. And a lot of these pistols I can only buy directly from the country of origin and I have to import them. And those guys don't really sort for pairs or anything like that. So you get what you get and uh, it makes it hard to sell them. So I don't like I don't like disappointing customers. So that's going to be the trick there. And I don't know how realistic it is that I'll be able to find a supplier that can reliably send me pairs of Epistos. All right. Chevy Fish says hi. Well, hello, right back at you. Crown Tail. Oh, that's the Prozzi question in Metro. Okay, I'm scrolling here looking for another one. Well, that's a lot of chat. We got through like a page of chat without any questions. Here we go. Zip. Z zip, not zip zip, z zip. Oh, I missed some super chats. Aquariums obtained, maintained by Andy. Thank you so much. Is anyone breeding a nano shrimp for profit? Um, I do. Um, I bought some amazing uh, blue dream shrimp from Rick May. Um, and so I know Rick's selling them for profit because he sold them to me. And they're a great breed. They're a great strain, I should say. Nice dark blue. We do have to cull like like you would have finished with population. And they're just breeding like crazy. So we're selling those. Um, uh, we have some cherry shrimp that are going kind of nuts. So we're selling those. And I have some crystal red shrimp that aren't, aren't producing yet. But I hope to have for profit as well. I'm sure there's other folks here though too. I'm, I mean, a colony of shrimp is a pretty standard breeding for profit tank. So feel free folks to chime in. And let aquariums maintained by Andy know what uh, nano shrimp you're breeding for profit. Ethan Foster, thanks so much for the super chat. Appreciate it. Zizip, do you know anyone breeding pentazona barbs? Uh, Desmopuntius <laughs> five banded tiger barbs. Um, I've had those. I've also had the octazonus, is it? The eight banded barbs. So I can get a hold of those. Yes, I do know folks that, that breed those. 
Any plans to start stocking snails in the future? Mystery snail guardians, I don't have any plans to do that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if someday we have, you know, rabbit snails or, you know, something cool like that. But um, I've got a large learning curve. I've never kept more than like pond snails and ram's horn snails and stuff like that. And I've never paid any attention to them or anything. They just kind of live in the tank and do their thing. So before I got into designer snails, let's say, um, I'd have a whole learning curve about that. So I don't uh, have any plans to do that right now. I've got enough on my plate. But one day, yeah, I mean, I like snails. I think it'd be cool to, to branch out into some of those. But it's going to be a ways out. We don't have any direct plans to do any of that. <laughs> Green Ranger will be placing another order soon once I switch out tanks. More rainbows! Yeah, we'll we'll bring in some more rainbows. Don't you worry. Bunny Viper, I want a huge school of emerald tiger bars for my 180 gallon. You could always just type in up the requirements. Y'all do that anyway. Oh yeah, but that doesn't mean anyone breeds them, and that doesn't mean people abide by them. But if you want a huge school. Um, maybe like if I know Bunny Viper wants a hundred emerald tiger barbs, maybe I could do that. So, um, once I get the warehouse up and running, Bunny Viper, if you would email me and tell me how many you want, then I could look into that for you. Uh, that might not be a problem if you actually want a huge school. A lot of times people want me to get something and it's like, how many do you want? And they'll say like six, I'm like, well, that's great, but I have to buy 200. So what do I do with the other? 194 of them if it's a species that i don't think will will generally sell well and i don't know if i have to get 200 tiger barbs i'd have to, i'd have to look at the quantities and such ethan foster thanks for answering two of, of the nine of the l236s i got from you seem gravid but i was nervous it was bloat you're all eating pooping and acting normally though okay i mean I, I'm, I'm not a veterinarian i can't see the fish so i don't know for sure but in, in my experience a pleco that acts normal is probably okay. Um, hopefully, they're gravid. Could, could folks chime in though? If folks have bred uh, sister species, let's let's help Ethan out here if we can. And let's see. Bloat versus gravid, what's the difference? Or is there one? Like as far as you can tell just by looking at the, the animal. It's 8.22. I think we're going to take a moment here. Oh, I missed some Super Chats, did I? Sorry, folks. Sometimes Super Chats jump on me. I did. I missed Swamp Thing. Oh, no. I got Swamp Things. Except for I think I read it as a comment. I don't know if I knew that it was a Super Chat. Thank you, Swamp Thing, for the Super Chat. <laughs> oh, and Kaylor did... Because Aquatics left me another super chat. The male version of Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> Pippi, uh, Kayla's Aquatics is an equal opportunity super sticker poster. <laughs> the female and male version of Pippi Longstocking cheering us on here. Here we go. There they are. There they are. <laughs> Thanks, Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics. I appreciate it. And are those random arms? Are those the only ones I missed? Our producer, Random Arms, a.k.a. Jonathan, let me know I missed some. Um, I think that's probably all. I think I got them. That's all I can see. Aquarium is maintained by Andy and Ethan Foster. I got those. Yeah, yeah, we're good. If you every now and then see, like, a note come on, like, a random arm just into the camera like that, 
I mean, this time it's me, but usually that's random arms. That's why we call them random arms. Okay, social discussing. <laughs> took me a while to get that. That was discussing. <laughs> Day 14, free swimming discus. Awesome. Good for you. I hope that they continue to do well and you grow up a nice big batch of them. That is awesome. Um, okay, chat jump big time. What we're going to do here, it's 824. We're going to do the giveaway. We're giving away a group of uh, Melanotania affinis from Dansari River. Uh, a, a four foot tank, like four foot long, like 55 gallon or 33 long or 75 or something like that is probably what you want for these guys. They don't get too big. They get about four inches, but they're very active swimmers. Um, nice hardy fish. I think they'll do well for you. We have 259 folks here, 261. All right, let's do this giveaway. So the winner of a group of Melanotania affinis from Dansari River in northern Papua New Guinea is Fish Rumor. Fish Rumor, you have won. You have two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here. Leave a comment because you do have to be present to win. And while we are waiting on Fish Rumor to verify their attendance status, <laughs> if you will, let's see if we can get to some more questions and comments. Paul Soltero, Dan, two underappreciated, underkept barb species are the snake skin and the black ruby. Dude, the black rubies. For you folks who are fish keepers who've never kept the black rubies, I am 100% in agreement. I like snake skins too. They're much better candidates for variety among community tanks than tiger barbs, I think he's saying. All right, I'm going to black ruby barbs. It takes some time, but those males, once they get two and a half, three inches, they start i mean even two inches they start really coloring in and they are absolute gems um i so my friend stan sung had like this massive aquarium and he had them in there and i saw them in their full glory and i was like man why have i never kept that fish because all i'd ever seen to that point was the little washed out ones that you see in pet stores but once i saw what they were like as adults i vowed to one day get a tank full of those i haven't done it yet but i'm gonna do it because they are truly amazing. Um, in a minute, we'll see if I can find a good picture of them. But in the meantime, Fish Rumor has confirmed that they are here and therefore has one Fish Rumor. Please send me an email. Info. I'm not info. That was boring. We went with uh, hello at dancefish.com. And I need your first name, your last name, and your mailing address. And let us know that you are the winner of the rainbow fish from the live stream and we'll get those out to you uh, next week. So that is how to get your winnings. First name, last name, and mailing address. Even if we already have it, please make it easy on us and just include it in the email so we don't have to go searching for it. We appreciate that. Okay, let us see if we can find um, a black ruby barb, like full-blown male. Because Paul is right about these. I mean, these are good, but they get better. They get really a lot better. That's not bad. Yeah, that, that's gesturing towards it. What it's not showing you is all the amazing iridescence that's on all those scales, because that's hard to pick up. But yeah, this is giving you an idea, right? I mean, often you see them and they, they look, let's see here, like washed out um, 
especially small ones in a, a pet store, like maybe that or something. But they truly are absolute gems. And if you like barbs and you want a small, peaceful barb, we have several um, dwarf golden barbs or golden dwarf barbs right now in stock. They get maybe an inch, super peaceful. Big school of them is awesome. Sam McMichael, I live in Louisville and I'm a member of LTFF, the Louisville Tropical Fish Fanciers. Cool deal that you're attending the Triple Crown. Looking forward to meeting you. I'll be working the event. Well, thank you for doing that. I know what it takes to throw an event like that. I know how many man hours it takes. I, I know, you know, the volunteers work super hard. So Sam, bless you for doing that. And I can't wait to meet you. Okay, two more minutes. Let's get through this as quick as we can here. Pablo Chin, hail mongers. <laughs> wait, mongerism. Hell mongerism. Seeding a 40 gallon with media from other tanks was a success. I'm glad that worked for you. One and a half weeks tank cycle. Java Moss used, uh, had rainbow eggs. Yep. Can babies produce enough NH3 to keep a tank cycle? Probably not unless you had a whole bunch of them. Uh, in a 40 gallon, I don't know how many rainbow fish fry you have, but those are tiny glass slivers, barely any bio load. Um, so unless you had a whole cloud of them in there, I think that would be difficult. Um, you probably need to keep something else in there to keep the tank cycled. Paul Soltero, opistos do well as trios. Yeah, that's true. I guess they don't absolutely have to be pairs, but we need some kind of sex ratio. Often it'll come in and I might have one male and all females or all females or, or um, all males and like one female. Um, oh, sorry about that. Little, little tickle in the back of my throat. So you're right, Paul. I mean, if I could sell pairs, that'd be fine. Trios would be fine. Even breeding groups like one male and three females, that would be fine too. But that's not how they come in. But good point. Good point. Okay, it is 8.30, so we are going to wrap this up. I want to thank my moderators for doing what they do, being here every week and making this, uh, managing the chat and helping make this, uh, I think, hopefully, for me anyway, a fun stream. I assume it's fun for you guys, or we wouldn't have 205 folks here. Um, thanks to everyone that threw money at us. Thanks for the super chats. Always appreciated, never required, but they are appreciated, but they, they do help. We're a startup, and every little bit helps. Um, I want to thank everyone that left a question or comment and participated and helped make this lively. Thanks, everybody who is in the Lurker Nation. Hail the Lurker Nation. Thanks for being here, even if you're just in the background. A wallflower, if you will. Everybody watching the replay, hello. Everyone listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. And thanks to Michael Melier for making the podcast possible. With that, I think I covered everything. Oh, I do want to encourage you folks. One last thing, important thing, if you haven't reached out to your um, senators about the Lacey Act and asked them to strike the language um, in the America Competes bill that is going to affect fish keepers and pet keepers all around the nation, um, please take the time to reach out and tell them, look, I'm a fish keeper. I love keeping aquariums, and I think that this section of the bill is going to hurt my hobby and hurt my interest, you know, please remove it, that kind of thing. Um, if you want to know more about that, last week's live stream is chock full of that. But please, if you're on the fence or you know what's going on, but you haven't taken the time yet, 
take the five minutes, write a postcard, write a short letter, just let your senators know, both of them would be great, um, that you would appreciate it if they removed the Lacey Act uh, add-ons, if you will, additions that are included in the America Competes bill. That would be awesome. We, I think, I can't speak for everyone and I don't like to be political, but I think in general for aquarium hobbyists, I can say that we probably don't want that to pass. Um, that will make it more difficult to be an aquarium keeper for sure. All right, with that, we're going to sign off. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. See you next Wednesday. Until then, have a good one and bye-bye.